Hey, my name is Brianna, and you're listening to the FCC Grayson Podcast. God is doing some incredible things here at First Church. To learn more about FCC and maybe plan your visit, head on over to FCCGrayson.com. We hope today's message gives you hope, inspires, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive into today's message. Well, good morning. Welcome back to First Church of Christ here on this Sunday morning. We are glad that you're joining us here online. As we get into God's Word this morning, I do want to remind you that you can follow along with this message if you go to FCCGrayson.com and scroll till you find the message notes. You'll be able to follow along with this and you can even take notes on there yourself and then at the end you can email those to whatever email destination you would like. If you have this If you have our website as an app, you can also uh, utilize that. Go to the message notes. It's the same thing. Uh, Now, you know, as we're going along here and as the message proceeds, don't be afraid to type in the comments down below, amen, pastor, or brother Ben, whichever one you prefer. You can even hashtag that if you would like. Uh, But we encourage you guys to kind of interact with us as we go through this message. But if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of 1 Peter, and we're going to be in chapter 1. Now this morning, I'm going to be reading out of the New Revised Standard Version, or the NRSV, if you're using your phone or a tablet to, to follow along. So I wanted to let you know that if, you know, we typically use an NIV version here, if, um, if you notice there's some differences, if you're following along in the NIV, or another translation, you notice that there's some differences, that's why. But as we turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, I want to draw our attention first to verse 13, where it says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. So the first word that we see in this particular verse is the word, therefore. And as you've maybe already heard several times in your life, Anytime that you come to the word therefore in Scripture, you need to ask what it's there for. Now, therefore is usually always a connective statement, especially in the New Testament. So whenever you see that word, it's most always connecting a thought or a lesson or a teaching with practical application. So what you typically would find is there's going to be a section that is prior to the therefore, that is some type of instruction, some type of teaching, and then they'll make this therefore statement, and it moves to a call to action for the reader, for you and I, or a call to application in our lives. So want to make sure that we understand that this is a connective term here. And beginning with verse 14, as it moves along, we begin to see practical applications a call to action, a little bit of a call to arms, so to speak, that Peter leads us into. But we don't want to go into this practical application or these action steps without first understanding and looking at the lesson in the context of this passage before we start making those practical applications. So today, we're going to kind of step back towards the beginning of this chapter 1 in the book of 1 Peter, and we're going to look at the context. We're going to look at the lesson. We're going to learn the instruction and look at these, this guidance that Peter's given us. 
So I'm going to read the entirety of verses 3 through 12 that leads us up to 13. Now, we most likely will not get through all of the verses of 3 to 12, but I'm going to go ahead and read them this morning. So verse 3 starts by saying this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than that, than gold that through perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls." Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of this grace that was to be yours made careful search and inquiry, inquiring about the person or time that the Spirit of Christ within them indicated when it testified in advance to the sufferings destined for Christ and the subsequent glory. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. In regard to the things that have now been announced to you through those who brought you good news by the Holy Spirit spent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. If you would, let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for the wonderful praise and worship, the, the wonderful songs that Emily led us through to, to glorifying you, to lifting up your name. God, I pray right now as we move into a time of worship in your word that you would use your word to correct us. You would use your word to challenge us, to bring us comfort. God, whatever you want it to do in our hearts and our lives today, I pray that that's what comes about. Father, I take just a brief moment and ask you now to use me, use my voice. Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me. And God, please remove as much of me as possible and use your spirit to minister through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I want to do is I kind of want us to begin to look through these verses and pull out these lessons and what Peter is teaching us and telling us in this passage. If we take the, the, the sections of verses three through five, and that's probably what we're going to cover today. That's probably all we're going to get to. But I believe that we see this theme that we praise God because our salvation comes from Him. And if you look at verse three, which says again, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What we learn in verse 3 is that salvation comes through God's great mercy and not through any of our own merit or anything that we could possibly do. 
We can't do anything in our power. We can't do anything inside of us that would qualify us for salvation. R.C. Trench says this, Grace is God's free gift displayed in the forgiveness of sins, extended to us as we are guilty, whereas mercy is His love extended to us as we are miserable. If salvation depends on my goodness, if salvation, if your salvation depends on your goodness, then our salvation is never going to be very secure at all. Because what happens if I do something bad? What happens if you mess up? What happens if God doesn't grade on a curve like we're hoping him to? What if, what if the curve's a little bit higher than what we had anticipated? What if all of these things that we think that may have led us in these notions and that, these ideas that we could be good enough, that we could be strong enough, what if this morning, if that's what you've been relying on, this passage is correcting us and telling us that there's nothing that we could do. It is only through the grace, the mercy, the shed blood and the broken body of Jesus Christ can we obtain salvation because it's a free gift that's given to us. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. And when we let go of the types of notions that we can save ourselves, that we can be good enough, that we can be strong enough, that we can be disciplined enough, that we can work hard enough, and when we come to that actual moment of realization that there's no amount of enoughs in our life to qualify us for salvation, and we begin to see that what we really deserve and what our enough gets us should be the wrath of God, but then we begin to see how helpless we are and how much in need of a Savior that, that we find ourselves, that's when we can begin to look to the mercy and the hope that is God's salvation here in this passage. And I think it's, I think it's important for us to remember that no matter what we might be facing in these times, we can face it praising God because our salvation and our hope is only in Him and they come from Him, His mercy, His grace, His love, and nothing else. As we move on to verses 4 and 5, which say, "...and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, I believe the key word in this section, at least to me, is the word inheritance. And now I'm, I'm sorry for those that this may offend because I know that we'll probably have some people in the legal profession watching this and listening to this this morning, so forgive me. But legalese and the reading or the listening of legal documents bores me to tears. And I think mainly it's just because I'm not smart enough to understand what you're saying in this. But I don't find it interesting at all because I don't understand it. But there is a time that most everyone will set up, pay attention, and hang on every word in a legal document. And that's when there is an inheritance that's being divided up or an inheritance that's the details of that inheritance are being explained to us. You see, I think that what Peter is doing in this passage is he is beginning to detail to us what 
our inheritance in God is. And so much to the fact that he's finding this inheritance so amazing, he's finding it so overwhelmingly indescribable that I don't think he can find words to really express what it's like. And so he just kind of falls back onto describing it in terms of what it, what it isn't. But what we know and what Peter tells us is this inheritance that God has given us, this spiritual, eternal inheritance, is three things as he talks about them. Number one, he tells us that our inheritance in Christ is imperishable, which means that it's free from death and decay. Now, this is completely different from any type of inheritance that we would receive while we're here on earth. As a matter of fact, Jesus, in his, one of his most famous sermons, which is the Sermon on the Mount, and that's found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7. He says this in chapter 6 of Matthew, verses 19 through 21. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Understand that every type of inheritance that we can get here, everything that we can work for, everything that we can obtain, any type of physical gain, monetary gain, that's all going to perish. That's all going to fall away. But the eternal inheritance of the hope of Jesus Christ and His salvation is something that will never, ever, ever even begin to fade away. It's, Im it, it's imperishable. It's not going anywhere. And we need to understand that this life now, while it's, while it's important for us to be able to provide for our families, to have security, and to be able to have this peace of mind, at the end of the day, uh, as one of my first pastors says, it doesn't matter anyhow because it's all going to burn. And we have to understand that the most important inheritance is the spiritual inheritance that is offered to us through Jesus Christ. The next thing he describes the, in our inheritance in Christ as is being undefiled, which means that it's free from moral impurity or uncleanliness of any kind. You see, earthly inheritances can be tainted and they can taint relationships and they can taint persons receiving them and they can divide families and they can cause rifts in friendships and close personal relationships. You see, all of that has a tendency to, to just dr draw these dividing lines in us. But the inheritance of God is undefiled. It is completely pure, it is completely clean, it is completely holy. In God's inheritance, I can't take anything away from you, and you can't take anything away from me. And again, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 8, says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Our inheritance in Jesus Christ is undefiled. And the third thing that he uses to describe it is he says that our inheritance in Jesus Christ is unfading. Church, the great news is, is that the inheritance that God gives us does not lessen ever. If we receive inheritance here on earth over a period of time, they are going to lessen. Some can stretch it out longer than others, 
But it's inevitable. You cannot get around the fact that an earthly inheritance will lessen. But God's inheritance will never lessen. For what God gives to you, nothing or no one can take away because God's inheritance remains true. Now let's take a look at verse 5. And I know we read this a little bit earlier, but just to be specific in looking at verse 5. Who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time? Now this word that's used here, protected, that's a military term. That implies that those of us who are born again believers, those of us who are following after Jesus Christ, we are facing a constant enemy attack. Satan, my friend, Satan wants to keep you from gaining your spiritual inheritance. He wants to do everything he can to come between you and Jesus Christ. If you're listening and if you're watching and you've never received Jesus as your Savior, understand that the enemy's doing everything that he can to keep you from yielding your heart to Jesus. If you're, if you're watching, you're listening, and you've followed Jesus, then understand that once you do that, the enemy does not stop working against you. He will bring things against you to try to create distance between you and Jesus. But what Peter is telling us here is that as believers, we are protected by something far better than any military in the history of this earth and on the face of this earth now or in the future. They, we've got a better protection than anything that this earth could offer us because in verse 5, it says that we are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation. Now, as we look at the end of verse 5, Peter writes this. You're ready to be revealed in the last time. Man, we are protected by God's power through faith in Him, ready to be revealed in the last time. And what he means by this, I believe, is that even though we're facing circumstances, even though we're facing difficult times and situations, you can still look in your life and see where you are being blessed and kept by God. I can, you can, every one of us can. But to know that we are probably only seeing in small part what God has for store, in store for us. Because, friends, His salvation is for now, but it's not primarily for now. His salvation is for eternity. His salvation is for heaven with Him for all eternity. And I just... We can't even begin to fathom what heaven's going to look like, guys. We just can't. I don't, I don't think it's going to be anything like the, the boring cartoons or movies that you see where everybody's just laying around on a cloud playing a harp all day. No, I think there's going to be so much splendor, so much glory, so much majesty, and we're going to see God face to face. And we're going to get to come alongside the angels and be able to cry, holy, 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 and we will be able to worship God, our Creator. There's not going to be any boring downtime like you're probably facing right now in your homes trying not to kill your family and trying not to physically harm one another. Heaven is going to be this place of where we are just, in my opinion, constantly overwhelmed by the goodness 
of God. And we understand that it's through our faith in Him, it's through our understanding that salvation can only come through Him. It's not anything that we do or anything we can achieve or anything that we could do enough of, but just simply yield our lives to Him. I want to close with an article from, it's an old article from Our Daily Bread, which many of you may read, but this was actually written in June of 1982. And it says, Many years ago, a team of mountain climbers began the dangerous descent of one of the, most, of one of the peaks in the Swiss Alps. The first man in line lost his foothold and slipped over the ledge. The next two men were dragged after him, but the experienced climbers above braced themselves and stood firm to bear the shock. But when the rope ran its length, rather than bearing the weight, it snapped like a string. Horrified, the climbers saw their friends fall to their deaths on the glacier 4,000 feet below. For half an hour, the other three stayed immobilized with fear. Finally, they nerved themselves to continue their perilous descent. Hours later, they arrived to tell their sad story. When the climbers examined the rope to find out why it failed, they were shocked. True Alpine Club rope has a red strand running through it, but this rope did not, because it was a weak substitute of the real thing. This morning, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ is the only thing, only thing, strong enough to save us from our sins. You can't do it for yourself. I can't do it for you. It's only the blood of Jesus Christ. If your faith is in yourself or your own goodness, then the rope will snap and you will perish. If your faith is in what God has done through Jesus Christ because of His great mercy, then no matter what problems that you're facing now, you can join Peter in proclaiming, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because He has saved me according to His great mercy, because my salvation is not from myself, but from God. I am saved unto eternity. Now this morning... Here in just a moment, Emily's going to come back and she's going to lead us in another worship song. And if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't know that hope of salvation. Maybe you feel like you've got to be good enough. You've got to straighten certain things in your life out. You've got to do better, be better, think better before you can even come to Jesus. Quit believing that lie of the enemy in your life to keep you from Jesus Christ. Now is the moment. Respond to that call that you're feeling on your heart and surrender your life to Jesus Christ. If you do that, please go to FCCGrayson.com, search for prayer requests, and on that tab you'll have a form you can fill out. If that's what you're feeling in your heart, please, please, please fill that out. Send that to us. I receive it, a couple other people receive it immediately, and we will get back in touch with you to talk with you as soon as we possibly can. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you looked, you saw that I, that anyone who's watching this or anyone who's hearing that, this, 
we are not strong enough to save ourselves. Salvation is not something we can attain by being better. It's not something we can obtain by trying harder or working harder. But God, it is through your mercy that you sent your only begotten Son so that through his death, his sacrifice, his burial, and his resurrection, we now have hope through your mercy, your grace, and through your Son's blood of spending an eternity in heaven with you. Father, I am so thankful for your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Nothing comes.